bonus episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the New World Pictures podcast bonus episode number 17. Hey. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. Almost legal. <laughs> and Erica. <laughs> I got nothing better than that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, hey, for this bonus episode, we're going to do something we haven't done um, in a recent Halfway to Black Friday sale, Severin Films, which is a company that if you enjoy physical media, you probably already know about. But they released three uh, Italian post-apocalyptic movies and what they were calling the Marauders Bundle. They are available on the site. And since Mark and uh, Eric and I got the same thing, we thought, let's watch all these movies and talk about just those for this bonus episode. Um, So we're going to be talking about three movies just for this episode, that are all Severn. We've never done this before, and we're going to go through some of the review. Uh, apologize if we do a little bit of spoilers. We're going to try and stay somewhat out of that territory if we can, or give you a spoiler warning um, if you don't want these spoiled for you. But we're going to go through these movies so you can know what uh, you know whether or not you should get this uh, this bundle, or which at, at this point you just have to buy the individual discs. At this, you point missed on out the on the site, bundle. But, you missed you out on the bundle. bundle. You could buy the individual disc and then bundle them together. Yeah. Get I mean, the deal. bundling is done by you now yeah. at this point. That's you like have to bun- do the bundle. Like a yeah. bundle of sticks. You can just yeah. put them together with some rubber bands. Isn't or some that a bundle? Cords. Isn't oh. that called a bindle? I, <laughs> hey, look, you've always known more about <laughs> st- stick organization than I have. So, I mean, this has always been a thing with us. So. <laughs> You're right. Mark is a, a little bit tired because he uh, celebrated uh, Neighborhood Night in America. Night yeah, out. In, national night night out. out. National Night Out. I was uh, out with uh, my my new neighbors. I moved to a new place, so I have new neighbors who I haven't met. And I got to meet them tonight. Uh, we got to enjoy some libations and some conversation and some pizza. <laughs> And that was my evening. And I imagine that they are listening to this episode oh, now. I have to think that they have no fucking clue that we do this. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, great. would have been a perfect opportunity to plug the podcast, mm-hmm. but mm. no. But, but no. Uh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Shit. Okay, hold on. I'm Always invite... be plugging, Mark. No. Always I'm... be plugging. No, I'll keep invite. It a I'll invite them all back tomorrow. <laughs> be like i have an important announcement everybody i sit have down. a podcast <laughs> gather around everybody i i guarantee the next time you 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 know next year when you have this night out in your neighborhood and you start talking about your podcast you're gonna hear a lot of people say oh oh i have a podcast as well <laughs> no. <laughs> no they're gonna be like i heard you were talking shit about us in your podcast <laughs> <laughs> you asshole um so <laughs> Let's dive in, shall we? Let's dive in with our first movie. Let's and do this it. is, um, I have to say, first of all, all three of these movies are not ones that were readily available on Blu-ray. So that's another reason why we picked up this uh, this bindle or bundle, however you want to say it. A bindle um, bundle. A bindle bundle. I did get the, uh, bin- the bindle that also came with the book called After the World Ends, which is basically an Italian book that they translated into English, which is just a sort of a primer on post-apocalyptic movies. They don't just cover Italian movies. Uh, It's more of a general overview. Mad Max, Mad Max 2, Escape from New York are also covered, as well as sort of a general overview of a lot of 
the post-apocalyptic movies in there, including these three. So that was, um, you know, so it's been an enjoyable book to just sort of get an overview. But even the book says it's not a uh, complete uh, a record of all the post-apocalyptic movies because there are so many. And Italy put up a lot of them, including this very first one, which is Warriors of the Year 2072. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't get you into it, uh, I don't know what. I, John Carpenter ain't got shit on that. <laughs> oh! No. But imagine uh, if he did, if he, like, took it and, you know, did it. Like, took a shit on that? <laughs> what did you just say? How about that? <laughs> if he just took it and did it. <laughs> Great point, Deep Erica. Thoughts. Thanks, Ryan. I'm adding but, a lot of value tonight. <laughs> So, um, Warriors of the Year 2072, it's a.k.a. The New Guardians, or a.k.a. Rome 2033, The Fighter Centurions. It went by a lot of names as it was uh, going around the globe. But, of course, I think the first thing to point out is what Mark just played, which is the score by Riz Ortolani, who worked a lot with Fulci. He did the score to Don't Torture a Duckling. He also worked with other Italian directors like... Ruggiero Diodato, who also directed one of the movies we'll be talking about, and did Cannibal Holocaust for him. And he also did Killer Crocodile, which we talked about in another bonus episode. Mm -hmm. So this guy's done a ton of work. But the score for this one is kick-ass. Oh, God, yes. So good. So good. And at at one point, it is so ripping off Blade Runner that you're like, wait a minute. This is a straight-up robbery of Blade Runner. But I, I but I loved it. I was like, it's, oh, it's, is that where we're going? You're talking about the score ripping off Blade Runner? Yeah. Or just the movie there was, itself? Because there was, the... No, there was one scene where the score absolutely rips off Jan Hammer's theme from Blade Runner, but it's only for one scene, and then they move on to go back to the other score. Now, didn't Vangelis that... do Blade Runner? Not Jan Hammer, who did well, either, Miami Vice? You know, or... whichever one. Or, or, I mean, you're splitting you know... Vangelis Hammers <laughs> or, at this point. Or, or Tangerine Dream, or whoever the hell did <laughs> Whomever it. did that one. One of those Yanni, Kenny G, one mm. of those fucking people. I wish so. it was Yanni. That would have been a real feather in that like guy's cap. I feel like it would have been real different if it was Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> really. A little more pan flutey. If it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot more pan flutey. Maybe it was Kenny G. That would have been a no, totally different movie. Been a lot more soprano that was that was Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where Kenny G really let loose. More like Blade Runner twenty sixty nine. Twenty nineteen, which is the year the first Blade Runner was set, was not ready for Kenny G. They had to no. wait till twenty forty nine. Yes, there is. This this soundtrack, which comes with the disc, it also has a CD of the score, so you actually get the score with it. This disc is actually, I think, the mo- probably the most loaded of all of them. It has so many interviews. Yes. <laughs> Mark, what are you doing? Are you, like, canning vegetables? <laughs> what is that yeah. What are you doing there? <laughs> I have to put stuff on my elbow. <laughs> Do 
not let this podcast <laughs> yes. get in the way of the things you need to get done. By all means, that elbow could just. <laughs> I'm also going to do some. It could give I'm, out. I'm going to do some setups during this episode. <laughs> I needed to get a little shave, so I might just sort of start to do that in the middle. Don't worry about it. Just an electric razor. It shouldn't really interfere. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> so I was, I was also going to say... <laughs> I was also going to say this movie also rips off Blade Runner because uh, it's basically Blade Runner on a $5 budget with all those little miniature oh models. Like those oh. miniature models of Rome... Oh. In either the year 2033 or 2072, depending on which title you happen to be watching, but those models were I unreal. lost my mind when that popped up on the screen yeah. and then stayed on the screen. Then stays. As the- we flew through the whole city. <laughs> the city of Rome, that is the, uh, you know, the historic aspects of Rome interspersed with modern skyscrapers. Yeah. Yeah. But- Yep. But all paper mache toys yeah. that they're just projecting little yeah. videos onto. So yeah. Yeah. imagine if you tried with Legos to do the opening scene of Blade Runner. That's what the opening scene of this looks like. But quite frankly, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I, <laughs> I, I love that it. they committed it. to it. It's not like little quick shots. It is a no. slow pan. Mm-hmm. Like we have committed to this toy set. And we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna make you watch it. Yeah, and I now, loved and, it. And and it's clear that the, he Lucio Fulci directs this one. It, he does definitely put his stamp on it. You definitely know at certain moments. If you had any doubts, it was a Lucio Fulci movie. There's a couple moments that will tell you that it definitely is. And it's a movie that he actually was looking to stretch himself and go beyond some of the horror stuff he was doing. And he actually had set up two movies to, to direct at the exact same time. They both started at the exact same time. This and also Blast Fighter. And he was just going to, through some uh, amount of schedule trickery, was gonna. he thought he would be able to direct them both at the huh. exact same time. Eventually, Lamberto Bava takes over Blast Fighter. Um, and he sticks with this one and has to finish this one, which just clearly did not have enough money. They do... It is basically a, I thought, more of a rollerball ripoff. Now, the mm. the uh, screenwriter, Dardano, or co-screenwriter, Dardano Sacchetti, he, in his interview on the disc, says that he felt like they were, rip- they were ripped off by Running Man, which maybe is somewhat true in terms of the satire that they're doing about television. But Running Man was already released like as a book. So that is already out there. Now maybe the movie borrowed a little bit from them and made it more satire but I have to say, I feel like this movie owes a good debt of gratitude to Death Race 2000 and yes. to Rollerball and Rollerball particularly down to our main character who looks like a Kirkland brand James Caan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> because... I mean, <laughs> He's just Jim Can. Jim Can, Kirkland brand. I mean, Jared Martin is his name, and he actually, he, he's he's pretty good in it, but he's definitely, like, trying to, he's definitely more of an everyman than he is some sort of, uh, than he is, like, an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, yeah. type of action movie star. But he definitely anchors the movie. Um, he's joined by Fred uh, Fred Williamson as well. 
um, who oddly was not interviewed and put on the disc. This oh. disc is loaded with interviews. Um, and but, who oddly is his character is completely left behind at the end of the, mo- at, yeah. at the, end of the movie. And that, that's not a spoiler. What happens to him? I don't yeah. have a spoiler. Yeah. No, I don't know. Because no yeah. one yeah. knows. I would like to know. We'll just say at the ending, he just sort of disappears. Yeah, he is not <laughs> yeah. featured. I don't know what happens. <laughs> not this, featured. This one also has a commentary by uh, Mondo Digital's uh, Nathaniel Thompson and Troy Howarth, who wrote a uh, Lucio Fulci biography. And the, the, the commentary is great. It's completely worth listening to. Well, I didn't to. get a chance it's to listen to it. super interesting. Oh, that's um, awesome. A lo- lot of good interviews. Um Al Cliver's also in this. We also have, I mean, we've got a good little cast. A lot of people yeah. that you've seen from, uh, from you know, various Locio Fulci movies or Italian movies. Al Cliver is going to come up in the next movie as well um, in this in this threesome. But I just, I totally dug Warriors in the Year 2072. It is, yeah. it is a movie where they are attempting to like, force a lot of value into them just walking around on sets mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the bad guy mm-hmm. is dressed up like again kirkland brand you know nazi soldier oh yeah <laughs> I mean, totally yeah. just like i mean it is it is not uh but i i was really impressed or actually let me just add a little bit of um color to that for our, mm-hmm. our um non-west coast listeners sam's club <laughs> thank you whatever sam's club. whatever the sam's club yeah. generic brand yeah. is um, I just was actually like, I didn't, I hadn't really, I haven't seen a, a, every Lucio Fulci movie, particularly because a lot of his movies to start were a lot of his comedies and, uh, I've seen, you know, some of his Westerns, obviously a lot of his horror movies, but he started out as a comedy director and this movie actually had some satire to it, which it was unusual for me to watch in a, a Lucio Fulci movie. Yeah. You find You find yourself saying, should I be laughing? I feel like I should. <laughs> Right, but uh, but I'm so perplexed at laughing at this movie for things that are not laughable outright because of the budget or anything else. It's like, oh, I, oh, oh, that was a joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a delight. A joke. Yeah. A joke. Yeah. I mean, Lucio Fulci, because <laughs> I was definitely introduced to him. Uh, Mark and I both, I think, were introduced to him definitely through his horror films. That like to have a movie that had any degree of mm-hmm. sort of humor to it. I mean. Certainly there's elements of House by the Cemetery and New York Ripper that are funny, right. like inadvertently, but I don't think they were, right. you know, because Lucio Fulci never directed the uh, uh, dubbing sessions of his movies. So like some of the, some of the elements of those with the, Eng- the English dub of those movies certainly are sort of comical, <laughs> so, but, but so not- in the case of New York Ripper, he had no idea that the killer quacked. He had no clue <laughs> that that was a part of the, at least the U S release. And yeah probably shocked and dismayed at that aspect of the yeah plot maybe line. maybe um but like so so to see something that was actually legit like he was definitely trying to make some jokes and make some commentary i was like wow this is pretty cool and uh this is like right as he's also done conquest um after this he does murder rock right after this movie so he was definitely trying to stretch himself and do different kinds of movies um right. to kind of prove that he could he was more than just this guy who'd sort of like become this horror uh, uh, giallo director, basically. And this was when too, he was uh, kind of moving uh, uh, or in sort of a more restrained mode where, you know, he had obviously made a name for himself with 
the beyond and zombie and all of that which were super gory and everyone was kind of looking for that but in this case like it's not a super gory over the top kind of comedic gore sci-fi movie it's a little more restrained it's a little more about the set pieces a Mm -hmm. little bit more about the characters like he's going more it's a little more in his like more I would say like Manhattan baby where you're going for atmosphere versus right, right. like, I'm going to have shock value around it. Right. Mm. Um, there's a sequence that, I mean, I just was in love with, but also could be troubling to watch those strobe lights. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Those strobe lights to like, make it look like oh, you're yeah. in this, like, I guess digital environment where you're fighting dudes. Yeah. I mean, I have to hand it to him. It is a really, unique and interesting way to get around the fact that you have zero money to make this movie. It totally so, is. It's super effective. It really was. Yeah. It's also permanently damaging to your eyes to <laughs> yeah. watch it. So there is an investment that you're going to make yes. when watching this movie. And that investment is eye health. R- right. Also, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, I hope it doesn't, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, strobes can really freak people no, out. Uh, my wife I- and daughter had seizures, but I mean, I felt like that was part <laughs> of the experience. That's part They're of the fun both, of watching movies together. Yeah, watch. <laughs> this is a movie that you should watch with your epileptic family members because it, it helps them experience it in a very different way. It also helps them understand they may not be warriors. In the year 2072, right. perhaps they are right. suited for another profession. Sometimes you're always like, man, I want to be living a future time where things are like where technology is advanced. And this movie might tell you, no, you know what? I'm good where I am. Yeah. I don't need I, to jump. Actually, ahead. Uh, Erica, I take umbrage with that point. I think that what it says is Ooh, you are a warrior. Uh, you are a warrior in 2072. You just suck today. Mm. So okay, <laughs> step well, up your game. You know, I saw how well you took care of that elbow. So I, you know, I guess I, I concede. Oh, we all heard how well you yeah. were nursing yeah. that elbow of yours. Whatever's wrong with it. Yeah. I heard you know, the intense care that you put toward that elbow. So you know what? I, I, my mind has changed. Um, Incidentally, I, any any one of our listeners who may know how to... Um, heel tennis elbow ironically <laughs> on an elbow that i don't use for tennis please mark at newworldpodcast.com please write me i need help the other thing that this movie teaches you is that should you encounter an electronic floor you just yeah. need to stand in yeah. the black circles always that is always critical to do because the black circles somehow are not electrified. No. Yeah. They just electrify the parts that are not They're rubberized. <laughs> also, when you're at the gym, don't forget to work out your upper neck and back. Because <laughs> someone might challenge you to just hang on a pole uh-huh. above an electric floor mm-hmm. for six or seven minutes yeah, and you yeah, almost think, an I hour. Do, almost I, an hour. I, I, I can do that. I can do it. It's no big deal. I can do it. You can't. You really can't. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do. Yeah, it's real hard. Real, real hard. I just want the remix of Mark going. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. You can't. <laughs> 
here's the other thing because anytime i think i can accomplish something or i'm feeling like yeah you got this you can do it you can do it i can't (laughs) you can't i'm gonna be like you're right yeah um there is there are certainly a lot of medieval medieval times style motorcycle racing yeah sure which is not great but <laughs> but not it, unwatchable. It, not unwatchable. No, but but there were parts of it that I was thinking this is more like Death's Port. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. But those ones were definitely the bikes in this were made to have that little platform that somebody else stands on. And when somebody is not standing on that platform, it is very hard to ride those motorcycles. Yeah. That's yeah, what very, it seems to be very, very like you can easily tip over. Um, yeah. Surprised there weren't more issues, uh, but that that is Warriors of the tw- of the year twenty seventy two. This was a heretofore movie that was like very difficult to get, um, yeah. very difficult to find in this form. I thought the transfer looked great. The it's extras a- are jam packed, and I think it's not, you know, I think it's worth re mentioning the score. Yeah. So I, I well, that score. <laughs> you can, you can, you can, you can't. <laughs> It'd be like the most badass. I think I mentioned throughout the watching of this movie, I would just turn to Erica and go, "By the way, we have the score." <laughs> like, right. I just right, want right. to let you know, we have the score. So the next it, day, I put it's that in my car on the right stereo, now. and it's I in played my car. it. Oh, it's yeah. I played it like while we were like making breakfast. I was like. The, the score is just fantastic. It's, it's so badass. good. I, th- so I thought good. you were going to tell me that you played it while making love. And I was yeah. like, wow. Well, that's next. That's next, Mark. But I mean, <laughs> my God. Banana, you can't. You can't. Only it was just you can't the whole time. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, before, I cried before... for a long time. <laughs> before we move on, what is our, okay, we're, we're talking about three different movies here. What do we right. think about Warriors of the Year 2072? I was uh, well, okay, good, yeah, good question. Um, I I personally loved it. I really, yeah. really liked it, and I I'm finding that like as as much as I had I was such a huge appreciator of uh, appreciator 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 appreciator. No, we're doing it. Appreciator, you can. Appreciator, I, I you can appreciate you. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. Appreciator. Oh. <laughs> um. I, I, you know, as much as I, I got into Lucio Fulci for like Zombie and, uh, you know, um, City of the Living Dead, etc., the Beyond, I, I love the the things he does in different genres. I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of his westerns are, are, are really good too. For the Apocalypse, Massacre Time, he he has some really great stuff he does outside of the horror genre. But uh, the more I'm discovering of of that, and I and honestly had not seen this before. I'd seen, <laughs> I'd seen. <laughs> Mark is also getting oh get God. those. He's got self care. Is he's his number got, one priority during? He's this got podcast. dry lips. He has got a bad elbow. I mean, he's got <laughs> lip repair. He's just solving all of his issues while we do this podcast. 
all of his maladies are going to be cured. I'm also getting a foot massage. <laughs> I, I, this is terrific news. This is great. Uh, I'm just, I just think I, I enjoy it. I really like this one. I don't know if it tops Conquest for me in terms of like a, a movie outside of his usual genre. I love Conquest so much. And, and Mark had declared his love in one of our other bonus episodes. Uh, it is, it is one Conquest of my all time so, favorites. So, so good. Be- and so much more atmosphere. He had seemingly a little bit more money. I don't know. But I would also say on, uh, Conquest is more exploitative. It's like really yeah. over the top. Yeah. Sure. What I loved about this one is it's, it's like he's trying really hard to make a really good movie mm-hmm. with no yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly. you have all exactly. these Blade Runner elements that yes, it looks like paper mache toys, mm-hmm. but he's trying really hard with like the landing of the ships with the lighting. It's using sort of the uh, Ridley Scott overly bright light so that you can't really see how that like, this is a toy landing. Mm -hmm. Like he used a lot of the right elements. Like he's trying to make something really interesting. Sci-fi, not over the top, not an exploitative movie. And I think it works. It's uh, yes. The plot has a lot of holes. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's there are, kind of there a... are characters that disappear, yeah. but yes. <laughs> but overall, I loved it. I loved that it felt like he was really trying to like. I've there, got something here. I can make something big here. And there are a couple moments that I think Lucio Fulci fans will appreciate. I mean, I'm just now thinking of the time because this is about you know Jared Martin as this guy that's basically won this this game that's very popular on television again this this sort of gladiatorial game is very popular and he sort of wins his you know wins the game and he uh he gets married he has this amazing apartment that was i think something that you yeah. loved the apartment was that was apartment, incredible yeah which seemed almost like uh an apartment i don't i can't really think of one that lucio fulci had but it seemed like almost the apartment out of um tenebrae or something yeah um, yeah totally out of you know, tenebrae yeah yeah and but the apartment was just amazing and sort of the scene where like they you know go Spoiler. after his <laughs> i'm gonna try and st- dance around this but the the scene where they where he finds his wife there uh, at the house like oh, definitely so has some moments yeah. but in so particular creepy. the moment where he jumps through the glass and you see as much as it's definitely like very much tear away breakable glass of course but they have the camera go through the glass yeah. right before yeah. he goes through the glass. Oh, it looks there's so some, good. There's some moments in this movie like that yeah. that are just like, oh, this is very cool. And very, I think for Fulci fans, this is like a must own. And uh, if you don't already know this or own it. But I also think just, it's just, uh, you know, if you like the post-apocalyptic movies, this is a really, this is a really good one uh, to, yeah. to get. Um, I agree. A, a good one to pick up. Do you agree, Mark? Totally. I think if you were considering buying the whole bundle or bindle uh, <laughs> or bundle, this would be, or if you didn't have the funds and I don't yeah, mean sure. for this to be a spoiler, but if you didn't have the funds for the whole bundle, mm-hmm. this would be, this would be the one to fork down the money on. Yeah, It's agreed. really worth it. And yeah. you get the soundtrack that you can play oh. in your car, dropping off your kids every morning and that's gonna get him jacked and ready to fucking rule the school yeah you can blast it you can peel out yeah and then you can be like yeah. wait honey your model <laughs> you need this 
for social studies. <laughs> um, the next movie we watched is uh, Joe D'Amato's Endgame. Um, it's always funny that he, he goes by a different name. He doesn't go by Joe D'Amato, which is funny because Joe D'Amato is also not his name. Because, <laughs> what? Yeah, Joe D'Amato is is actually his one of his fake names uh, that he goes by. Um, Wait, that's a thing? I could just have a couple fake names like available to just use? Well, the thing about um, like Italian directors of that time is that they were always trying to. Sometimes they would go by different names to make themselves. I need themselves... you guys going for it to call me Natalie Pinch. <laughs> you got it. That, Wait, you got hold it, on, Matt. Natalie. Did you say Pinch? Yeah, like Natalie, Natalie Pinch. Pinch. Yeah. That's just my new. You got it, Nat. For this episode, I'm Natalie Pinch. <laughs> his wow. his his real name is uh, Aristide Massacessi. Wow. Rolls uh, right I'm, off I'm, the tongue. I am it's ruining so... that name. So he probably was like Joe D'Amato. It's easy, but uh, but they would often go by different names to sort of uh, make them sound more American because they were trying to sell these movies in America, and they felt hey, like uh, they had. Just call me Joe D'Amato. <laughs> Well, he doesn't go by Joe D'Amato for this movie, is my point. For Endgame, he goes by a different pseudonym. Um, uh, I'm forgetting the one he used for this particular movie. So I'm looking it up. So as I vamp, what does he do? It, it doesn't make the movie better. Yeah. That's the biggest Doesn't it, spoiler. though? No. No. It, See, here's the thing. This movie, when it started, the first 15 minutes, I or maybe even 20, I was all in. Same. I was like, this is like yes. Running yeah. Man. Yeah. This is like, I'm super into it. Uh, it's almost Hunger Games-ish. And yeah. I was like, ooh, where are we going to go it. with this? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And then it just becomes a bunch of vignettes of, mm-hmm. we're going to run to this place. Oh, we're going to have a shootout. And then we're going to run to this place. And we're going to have another shootout. Yeah. And it they- doesn't. It's uh, just like no, you had a real opportunity here. Yeah, the whole movie could have been Endgame. Like that should have been it. Yeah, yeah. They, they they're legitimately on a show a called Endgame in this, and it is again actually oddly uh, a lot like Warriors of 2072 because it is also sort of making fun of the sponsors of these kinds of like you know uh, real game shows yeah. and sort of like really poking fun again like running like a Running Man type of thing. But and this oddly enough, this movie actually came out just slightly before Warriors of Twenty Seventy Two. So this was actually the the first released movie of the ones we're talking about, and it has that sort of like it has a lot of the same things. Like the bad guys are very overtly dressed up like Nazis, even more so in Endgame because they almost have like like these different designed SSs like on their SSs hats. on them, yeah. yeah. But they're uh, more they have, SS, like just a, or like a lightning bolt. Yeah, exactly. SS, yeah. And there's like the same satirical element. There's some of the same right. cast because we have Al Cliver and yep. Al Yamanucci as well, yep. who who are, were in Warriors of uh, Year 2072. It doesn't have as good a soundtrack, and no. you do get the soundtrack for this one. Oh, the soundtrack is terrible. But it's garbage. a little bit jazzy. It's a little jazzy in a lot of parts, which sense. isn't like I was like, it's not. Uh, it's not as good. Yeah, I found it irritating. Good. If I'm honest. It made me. It made me actively mad as I was watching it. It may be like if you bought this bundle and haven't watched it yet, you might want to watch Endgame first and then go to Warriors Year Twenty Seventy Two, just so you can appreciate the score even more. Yes. Than this Although one. I found Endgame to be a good palate cleanser for <laughs> Raiders of Atlantis. Okay. 
which spoiler alert is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But yes. yes. well, let's. Well, let's <laughs> what is happening in it. that movie? Yes. I'll save yes. It, but... yes. But let's 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 stick with that game for the moment. <laughs> I want to talk about Al Cliver, who is in a lot of movies. He's in Zombie Two. He does. He's done several, like I, I think eight or nine uh, Fulci movies. He plays a hero named Ron Shannon. <laughs> I mean, that is. I, I mean, keep that name on hand too, and I can have Natalie Pinch, and I can be Shannon Ron. I'm keeping it. But so. Ron Shannon also starts in the first ten minutes, basically putting on a silver version of Paul Stanley's kiss yes, makeup on. Exactly, he looks like a reject good. a kiss. Yeah. And they were like, no, you got to do more. It was like his first go around. He's like, what do you think about this? Like, no, do both eyes and then let's talk. Um, yeah. So, uh, and would you say, Ryan, that he he's the kind of actor that carries a movie? Uh, no. In fact, I was going to say, he is not a leading man. I mean, for once they transition from the actual game show to like let's protect the mutants and get them to safety, right? It becomes a lot of like him and the lead, and the lead mutant girl, like communicating through tele or, uh, te- telepathy, yeah. And right. like so, he just kind of like stares without his mouth open. But it's like there is there's a lot there's not a lot happening, and no, and I no. would say that Al Cliver is great as a as like a as a supporting character. Even in the yes. Warriors of, of the year 2072, he's great. He's a really good actor in terms of somebody you want to beat up. Yeah, like you the, want to punch him in his face. Like in the fight scenes in this, he face. definitely looks like he's definitely getting hurt. You know, he yeah. looks a lot like a guy getting injured. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, the fight scenes in this movie are awful. Yes. Like they, they, they are, are bad. They are like terrible. they didn't have like a fight coordinator. I, mean, I felt like I was watching at times like um, like a high school or or a local theater, like a community theater production of like Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. <laughs> with the like fight scenes there where you're like, eh, kick, like yeah. dramatic, like jump up. At one point, over. Al Cliver just like, by the way, Al Cliver is also not his real name. That's his American what? sounding name. He slaps a guy like he's trying to punch him, but he clearly like just kind of slaps him. And it looks like this like very weak, yeah, like like half slap. Like he high five this And he's yeah. trying to punch him. And then a guy goes Ugh! and yeah. falls down. And it's like, this is not good. Yeah. And a lot of it's like pretending to hit somebody in the top of their head. Like that's going to knock somebody mm-hmm. out. It was like it was like Jeff Conaway kicking the rapist in Cover Girl. Like, uh, yes. you're not actually, yes. you're not doing any kicking at all. Very yeah. Canadian. Yes. <laughs> so you have, <laughs> so you have, uh, yes, this is the Italian Canadian version <laughs> of, of yeah. Warriors of 2072. Um, so you have them, uh, as I said, going from one set piece to another fighting. You have Al Cliver and the woman of the, the the leader of the mutants speaking to each other in telepathy. Only at the end of the movie do we find out that Tommy, the boy of the mutants, can control things with his mind. Yeah. So imagine you're yeah. going from piece to piece, and one of the advantages that Al Cliver's character has is that he can speak to te- with telepathy with the leader of the mutants. And so they can speak to each other to say, 
this person's coming, be ready to attack them. So it gives you a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Tommy, all the while, could have prevented everything because he he can move things with his mind. Yeah. So mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, basically everybody that's died is Tommy's fault. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's yes. true. Yes. That's true. I'd also say that, that, like, that little like, fucker. W- that little fucker was like, nah. Yeah. I would, I, you know what? He <laughs> deserves good. it. I'm good. Yeah. You know, I feel like I could stop that, but why? <laughs> yeah, but why? It was only going to get worse. You know what? He was saying to himself, "I can't. I can't. I can't." <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like getting uh, on the theme of the mutants. You know, I had a question. That the main mutant that he's talking to, the lady yep. head of the mutants mm-hmm. that, that Al's, you know, communicating with the entire time, she did she always kept that hat on. So yeah, I would argue always. Yeah. is that her true mutant power? Mm. Keeping that in the hat, hat on. Is it is it in the hat? Keeping it on through, you know, windy situations, through fights, you know, that hat never moved an inch. Yeah. That to me is the true power right there. Keeping <laughs> that hat on. I'd it's also good, I, that's a well fitting hat. That's it is everything. Well, it goes underneath her chin, so it really like keeps it on. Really, we all need. We really all need a good, well-fitting hat. Yeah, Yeah. that's important. That's the takeaway. Like, I am not going to. The end game is buy a good hat. (laughs) Should a fellow mutant actually start to kick up a little wind, you want to make sure that hat stays on. Mm -hmm. So that's what she was anticipating the entire time. Of course, when Al Cliver finds out that that Tommy has. You know, not only. I'm sorry, he... are you talking about Luigi Conti? Pierre Luigi Conti, <laughs> also known as Al Cliver. Um, <laughs> that is his name. I can almost understand why he was like, I don't know, call me Al instead of Pierre Luigi. He could have been by like Piers. Cliver, I don't know. Al Cliver, it's not, I don't know. It's it's funny to, to see the, the different names that they gave themselves. But um, when he finds out, they're sitting by like this little. I, I, it's not. I wouldn't even want to call it a lake. It's a tiny, tiny body. It's like a puddle, more or less, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. sort of like uh, quarry, I guess. And he's kind of lifting up some rocks. And then again, I don't want to spoil what happens at the end. But what they then ask him to do is, I'm just say it, it is far afield from lifting a couple of rocks up in the air. It's like as if like Professor X was like, "Let's try your powers." And at the end, he's like, "Save the world! Yeah. Now save everyone!" <laughs> It's like a giant leap in about a span of five minutes where you go from like, oh, that's cool. And just look at you testing out your powers to being like, well, can you do a million things at the same, (laughs) you know, so. That's because he was like, you know what? You, a lot of people have died and you could have saved them. (laughs) So now, now's the time to step up. You were sitting there sipping your Capri Sun, watching everyone dying. In a way, though, up. it tells you why everybody's so afraid of them, or at least the bad guys were they're so afraid of the mutants. Because if we remember, there was another mutant that was with these like uh, uh, monks or whatever, these blind mm-hmm. monks, yeah. who was basically uh, communicating telepathically through all of them. Yeah, I was like, that guy's the most powerful guy probably in the entire movie because he's communicating through like 20 to 30 different oh, oh, guys. Hold on, hold on. Not only did he communicate with them, he gave them the power of sight. Yes. Yeah. When yeah. he died, they all went blind. Yeah. I mean, again, again, they, 
They had to mention they were blind before, then they you know, lost it again. The, the more we talk about this movie, the more I think I like it. Here's the don't, thing. Don't. I watched don't. it. I watched it a second time That's and I have to wants. say That's what it wants. I watched <laughs> it a I'm second like, time. I'm like, I, wait a minute. There's a lot to this movie that I'm kind of thinking I glossed over too easily. I am kind of into this movie. And here's no, the thing. Look, remember the half monkey people and the yes. mirror people? Yes. And those half monkey people looks like shit. I'm sorry. So they all of a sudden horrible. we have regular people. We have mutants. We have half monkey people with like a very easily discernible prosthetic monkey nose on them. And then the mirror people that are grow- scales and growing like, I mean, like, what is like happening monkey- to the world? I, 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 yeah. You skipped over quickly. Monkey knows, like, if you bought it at the Spirit Halloween store yeah, and absolutely. just popped it on your absolutely. face. <laughs> right. And you just used, like, double-sided tape to put it on your nose. Yeah. And made you did not no effort, no latex. Just, you just for, like... Tape. <laughs> and you just, like, put some, like... It looks like they just, just like, glued a few shells onto people and then yeah, painted or, them green yeah. to be the mirror yeah. people. But, like... <laughs> Every time they showed up, I was like, yeah, this is terrific. I love this. But it also felt like, and this maybe might be a spoiler, but are you, were you guys surprised to find that, like, the merman fish guy, he wasn't nice? No, no. I no. mean, that felt, no, no, no. that felt like no, the twist, like, what a twist. Yeah, oh, the, no. the merman fish guy, he's mean, he's nasty. Yeah. Oh, what a surprise. Because I would absolutely believe I have two fish. And those fish are going to live forever. And I think that they live purely out of spite to spite me. That's why. They live on pure spite of, Mm -hmm. I'm staying alive no matter how dirty this water gets, no matter how many times you forget to feed me, I'm going to stay alive. One day I'm going to grow to human size. Yeah, I'm going to grow to human size. And I will quite literally bite the hand that feeds me. Yeah. (laughs) Destroy the woman that feeds us on a daily basis. (laughs) get on to Raiders of Atlantis which honestly is the movie that I had actually seen the only one of these that I had seen before was Raiders of Atlantis and this is of course directed by Ruggiero Diodato who directed this right before but Ruggiero Diodato goes by Henry Dank for this so just i know wish, that... i wish he had gone by that that would have been <laughs> oh, awesome he doesn't he uses he go, his real name how brave i think he goes by he goes by roger franklin in this or something oh i was close yeah <laughs> um but <laughs> but i had seen this one before and um i i was like excited for this just because it this was one again much like some of the others uh this was not an easy one to find so this was like a difficult also one to find. what is this movie about i i am really uh, confused oh yeah dude. really yeah yep wow who knows it's, who knows uh, I've watched it. I watched why? the time before. Why? I watched it a couple times when now that I have it, and honestly, I, I still don't know. I, I don't they, know 100%. They, know. they steal a dead body out of a house at the very beginning, yeah. and then yep. to make money, yeah, for money, and as then, as you yeah. do, as you do. Which, to, I, which at first money. I'm like, I'm like, maybe this is a weekend at Bernie's about to happen, but like with a stranger, and then you just make money. But how? I don't know. I mean, you're dead. Your organs aren't worth shit. So what are you going to get? I don't know. What are you going to get from I, And it's like I, some old dude. We don't really learn that because then the world is overturned by the fact that by lifting up a sub, 
and again, talk about some great model work. This looked like they got a toy oh, sub and they yeah. and they they wrapped like a black piece of uh, uh, thread around yeah. the front of it and just tried to lift it up out of a oh. fish tank. Yeah. And, well, then you have a tidal wave with an oil rig that's oh, made God. out of like yeah. paper, uh, like cardboard. Oh God! And, oh, it was I mean, glorious. Uh, but again, that was my favorite part of the movie. All well, those that, little models. Let's go, let's go back even farther. It opens with those amazing shots of Miami. Yep. Oh, like, yeah. Miami, baby. They're like trolling mm-hmm. along the beach. And, they like, were the like, port. this like, movie is set in Miami. Yeah. And then you get these dirt streets, which <laughs> right. are the actual shooting location in the Philippines. Yeah. They shot this during like Amelda Marcos's uh, reign there. Where they were trying to open this up to like have movies come uh, be shot out there, and Ruggiero Diodato like went out there and was like, "Okay, let's shoot a movie out there." And they and and so it does not matter. There's oh, there's one neighborhood scene like the first couple that gets killed where you could go, "Okay, I could buy that this is Miami." Like the first couple, and most of the other parts of it is like, "No, nah, I don't buy this is Miami." And then parts of it that are also shot in Rome. Yeah, so it's all over the place. It does not so feel like you Miami raise at all. a submarine. Yeah, and, and, and that causes mm-hmm. and that causes the Lost Boys from Hook, who were like, "We'll never grow up," to grow mm-hmm. up and be real fucking pissed. Yeah, off. Mm-hmm. but you know what is was that, great? Is that what happened? That's like, what happens. The radiation, the radiation from the nuclear, like um, the nuclear missiles that are on that sub. So the radiation coming off of that is what I guess somehow, like. I don't know, uh, like like a magnet <laughs> raises yeah. Atlantis to come up out of the water, raises it up out of the water, and then these Atlanteans somehow then the I Lost guess Boys. In Atlantis, the Lost is, Boys, right? Right, the, the, yeah. the Lost Boys with like yeah. a plastic, uh, like a clear plastic helmet over themselves, oh, like a fishbowl. Right, right, right. Oh, the Atlanteans and, and like, were. So- so outrageous! It so, was so outrageous! Great. And what's what's great so about great. it is that, like, when you watch, when I watched it this, this, you know, basically watched it this time because I'd seen it before, I had forgotten that they that first couple that they kill that are like coming out of their car, and all of a sudden his wife gets shot by like a dart in the neck, and yeah, then he's yeah. like, yeah. "What's yeah. happening?" That happens before the tidal wave. Oh, right. That's right right so that's like right they're yeah. already right. there so no they, like, they are so there's that already, whole scene they're there's in that Miami whole scene where they're already there and you're and then all of a sudden they show up again and you're like i don't understand what's happening <laughs> right this, yeah. at the beginning it's just a, a like a really over the top gang right and the second right. time you're like oh no they're atlanteans also i thought atlantis would look different <laughs> mm-hmm. we all did yeah, we all we did, all did. yeah it was just a different visual than what maybe I had a false pretense of what Atlantis mm-hmm. would look like. Yeah, it looks uh, like a Filipino beach <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. with with punk rock kids and yep. a dressed up Studebaker just yeah. cruising along. There's uh-huh. so many amazing things. The fact that they have a car and all the motorcycles just already, yeah. I guess, just right. sitting right. under the sea, ready to come just out. Prepped, ready to go. Right. Filled right. with gasoline and oil and everything that, that it needs. And then our two like main characters in this, um, they, uh, which are played by actually, they they actually managed to get like two American actors to 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 be this, which is Christopher Connolly and Tony King, which play the two main characters. And they are able to 
come across not only a lot of weapons almost instantaneously and a like seemingly a case of uh of alcoholic bottles or bottles filled with alcohol but they are also supplied with an endless amount of ammo yeah like an unbelievable oh, amount of ammo yeah so much so much. like bottomless bullets bottomless bullets this like puts john woo to shame but and then the gunshot sounds are like from a spaghetti western they're like <laughs> they don't match the yeah, guns bang. in any way bang bang <laughs> Also, then they well, that's finally how guns get. Sound in Atlantis, Ryan. You don't know. You've never been to Atlantis. They get. They finally get to the submarine after uh, uh, several gunfights and a boat and finding a helicopter and finding an island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot that a happens. Journey. None of it makes any sense. No, it doesn't. They not. get to this island. They find the submarine. They get on the submarine, and. By all accounts, I I guess I don't. Admittedly, I don't know everything about submarines. I'm not oh, no. a submarine Mark, manufacturer. You're supposed to prepare for the podcast by learning everything about submarines. I know. You're my sub I know. This is a bonus. Bonus does not have me doing research. <laughs> but it felt to me the inside shots of the submarine showed that the HVAC in a submarine is the equivalent to what would be in a large office building, which I thought that's got to be overkill, right? That's a what it's, what it's giant a... HVAC tubes running through the submarine. <laughs> like, wow, how much, how much heating and cooling do you need in the submarine? <laughs> it seems aggressive. They need a lot more so that I guess the radiation wouldn't have uh, been so. So either... Either they shot all the interiors of the submarine in an office building, which I wouldn't think that they would do. No, no, or no. Or no. I am—I do not understand the the heating and cooling of a submarine. I'm going to blow your mind, but they actually shot the interiors of that submarine in a studio in Italy, and they wait, were pickup wait, shots. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> wow. Wait, what? <laughs> this one, no. I have to say, uh, also. Well, this... I guess you're right. A dead giveaway would have been that the inside shots of the submarine, when the guy went into the submarine, mm-hmm. there were windows behind him, which <laughs> doesn't it's often odd happen. for a submarine. Yeah, it's but odd, not, but not it's, for any of the submarines say, I've been on in terms of Disneyland. Yeah, I wouldn't right. say it's impossible. <laughs> I'm just saying it's unusual. Right. This is the first time I've seen some sort of submarine action that didn't play under the sea. So right. It was a it was a tourist submarine that just happened to also have nuclear like missiles a glass, on it. A glass bottom submarine right. that had missiles and the power of Atlantis. Right. right. They were like, it. "Don't please mine the nuclear weapons as you step down into the submarine." Keep in mind the AC is on, so don't open the windows. We just I mean, know it's a little hot air. in here, but just let the AC yeah. do its magic. No, you open the window. We're cool. sinking. This is what cool. this is what ruined it. Um, I have to say, Christopher Connolly, first of all, the hero of this movie. These two guys are Vietnam buddies. I always love when they match Vietnam buddies with that are like of seemingly two different generations. Christopher Connolly is like this is a this is like a, a post apocalyptic nobody. 
<laughs> before nobody came out where you're like middle-aged yeah. men for the win yeah <laughs> christopher yeah. connelly is a gray-haired uh dynamo of of an action star in this of course he did he he, he had uh had a career before that i believe he had been on peyton place that was one of the main things he was in beforehand and then he had done a lot of movies in italy and you know honestly i think he quits himself very well when he jumps on the helicopter um that is actually him doing it and no and and no stunt also in the very beginning he's climbing down the wall of the second of the from the second story to the first story of the house yeah with no like there's no net because they cut back to it he's just doing that himself right bravo and and but there is tony king is also doing a lot of his own stunts as well tony king and he had done a lot of also done a lot of italian films and had done a lot of uh, stunt stuff so he was, and he is on the director's commentary, the commentary, or, or rather just the commentary, which has a Vinegar Syndrome's Brad Henderson doing like, just, ju- he's just trying to do his absolute best to pull any amount of information out of Tony King, who I, I will tell you this, what I learned from listening to Tony T- King talk about this movie, he had a good time on it. He really had a good time on it. He really he enjoyed it. Because he doesn't remember shit. I don't know if he doesn't remember. Like he, Brad Henderson is really doing his absolute best. Yeah. He is trying to talk to him about anything. Did you help out with the stunts in this movie? Tony King? Oh yeah. You bet I did. Well, like how did that come about? Oh yeah. These guys, you know, they didn't know what they, they, they didn't know what they were doing, but I talked to them and you know, they figured it out. Like, so at what point, how did that come about? How did they talk to you about doing the stunts? Like, yeah. Ah, man, we had fun. I mean, this is a wild movie, and we had a good time. <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, he is trying very hard. He he talks about Tony King's, uh, like, uh, he, he, he no longer goes by that name because he converted it to, uh, uh, to Islam and talk to him about a little bit of his career because he was a football player to start. None of these things kickstart memories for Tony King. And I don't know. He's in his seventies. He's had a wild career that started in football, ended up with him being the head of security for rap group, public enemy. And he's made movies in the middle, did a bunch of movies in Italy. And none of these apparently provided no stories yeah, (laughs) or stories. He has forgotten. I'd have to say. If I were to be interviewed about this podcast, I think everything that you just described as far as responses is what I would have. Like, yeah, it was wild. It was a wild. It was a good time. It was a really good time. It was fun. I mean, there was just, it was great. I mean, there was a wild amount of stuff happening. Mark, what was, was your great. favorite movie that you talked about on the podcast? I, you know, I think it was just. There were so many wild movies that we watched, and it was really, it was wild yeah, how many is, movies we watched. That is exactly the commentary, and I mean, the, the, it still has like a com. It has a interview with um, Rogero Diodata, the director and the cinematographer. I mean, and I think as far as commentaries go, it's worth listening to the commentary in this one, just because you are watching Brad. You're listening rather, uh, Brad Henderson really try as hard as he can to get anything out of poor Tony King, who is a very nice person, incredibly nice dude, it seems, but just has nothing to say about any of this stuff. And he was like, so how long has it been since you've seen this movie? And he was like, oh, they had a screening about uh, two years ago. He's like, oh, oh, 
probably thought fantastic. Right. And you're you right, probably right. remember anything about this movie or have had No, no, nope, he doesn't. Nope. No, he, he does has not. not. No, he has not. So yep. you really watch it you you can really listen to a man work in that commentary yeah. for this. It also does not have the soundtrack. It's the only one that does not have the soundtrack. But but the soundtrack also is not great. It's fine. Yeah. It's 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 fine. I, I mean, I I'm just so happy that they have this movie out with any special features as well. Like Raiders of Atlantis, I think was, I, if I'm to rank them, I would say I I and I loved Raiders of Atlantis coming into this, but I might rank Warriors of the Year 2072 a bit higher. Yes, and, and then. Yeah, Definitely. but see, I love Raiders of Atlantis going in, so I, I, I think Raiders of Atlantis is a terrific midnight movie. I really, really liked it. I would love to see it with a crowd. I thought it looked fantastic from the version that I saw before. God, that's that would probably but, a crowd watching this would throw in what tens of dollars. Of, of <laughs> you, would, you would be surprised. Five would be surprised. Fives of dollars. <laughs> Fives of dollars. Uh, I need to watch Endgame again because I think that oh, I might no. be, uh, that might be ranking up higher for me. Oh. Uh, now that I think about it, you might uh, put Endgame over Raiders of Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, because you just have you. I mean, the one thing that uh, Endgame has that Raiders of Atlantis doesn't is a kid who knowingly kills or lets many people be murdered. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, I would say that it's I just, a real power move on his part, on Tommy's part. I do want to say, uh, for, for as far as Raiders of Atlantis, the movie that Ruggiero Diodato does after this is a movie called Cut and Run, and he directed that for New World Pictures. Mm, so nice. that's what he does right after Raiders so of Atlantis. That's what watching next. And at this point, he's he is having a, a pretty tough time in his career because he had done Cannibal Holocaust, and he had sort of become pretty much known for that and he was sort of infamous yeah. now for this so he was trying to well find... once you make that movie you <laughs> yes, get known exactly. for that movie <laughs> yeah. and that movie becomes infamous you become infamous with it and so he was trying to find anything that would like launch his career or keep his career going or put him somewhere else so he basically does this he does cut and run and i don't think he particularly gets away from that sort of uh uh, reputation that he carried into those, right. these two movies. I don't think he, right. he escapes it. But I, I mean, I still found a lot of fun stuff with this. I think this movie is uh, is is a blast. I think it's so silly and weird. Yeah. Um, but I think it's I, all a, of them, all three of them, oh, are for worth sure. picking up. Yeah. They're yeah. super fun. I think they're all worth picking up. I, again, just to rank them, I would say Warriors of the Year twenty seventy two, Raiders of Atlantis, and then Endgame. But I, I don't. You know, Endgame is one that you could watch and you could be like, I don't know. But I watched it a second time this morning and I'm like, ah, some cool, there's some fun stuff in here. Plus, it has George Martin in it, who who plays Karnak, who is his, his uh, we, who, and, and George, uh, he was in, I think I'm saying his name wrong. Hold on a second. Sorry, George, George Eastman is his name and George Eastman's his name and he actually, who his real name is uh, Luigi Montefiore. Uh, just but, like George Eastman, just very similar. Yeah, George Eastman's was the name he did for all these. And what's great about it is he did a ton of these like Italian movies and post-apocalyptic movies. And he always was, he basically was like, God, the, the scripts of these movies suck. So he starts writing them himself. 
And uh, that's what he ends up doing. He leaves acting and he becomes a screenwriter for like the next 20 years. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> Louis! And I think he had some, he, he did help a little bit in terms of Endgame. So I think he had some help with that as well. So, but I just, I just, I don't know. I thought these were really, I was really happy I picked this up. I really enjoyed the book, um, which at this point I don't think you can get, but I think the book was a nice like sort of overview of a lot of the post-apocalyptic movies. Lovely that they start even uh, with a couple of the early ones like Death Ga- Death Race 2000. And, you know, just sort of, you know, gave you a, a nice overview. It's not a very like, there's a few interviews as well that are pretty, pretty good, but it's not like, it could have used more. It could use more of that. It's sort of like a little bit of a, a synopsis and some nice pictures, but sort of a general overview. There's certainly some movies in there that I I have not seen that I'm like, oh, that'll that'll be cool. Or some that I have seen like the boxes for, but never bothered to get. And I'm like, okay, I, there's there's definitely like some nice ones that I'm going to like put on the list and, and watch. But it's not like uh, the, the book isn't, you know, it, it's it's a good book, but it's 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 not uh, it wasn't totally necessary to get. But the movies are the movies are uh, yeah. the movies are very good for Endgame. It happens to be director Joe D'Amato's favorite movie that he made. It's Aww. his favorite. Ooh. Which maybe doesn't speak so well to the other movies he made, but <laughs> you know these, these are mm. movies where you see people that are really trying. Fulci is trying to like make a name for himself outside of horror. Ruggiero Diodato is trying to show like, hey, I can direct stuff. Like, don't just think of me as the cannibal Holocaust guy. Joe D'Amato's like, he the guy. Joe D'Amato made so many movies that he. Joe made- D'Amato's like, I'm just doing this before I shoot more porn. <laughs> Which he did a lot of. <laughs> He did a lot of. He he made literally every kind of movie, every yeah. genre. He did not uh, he did not discriminate, and um, so so and I, I don't know. I I think they really killed it. Like um, we're not getting paid at all by Severin. We should say that. Uh, no, not at know, all. We are. But, just, uh, we but just I am so was, thankful that Severin yeah. released us. I mean, really. Yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic. It was a blast to watch these three movies. Um, super worth picking up if you can. Um, you can bundle also, them together Severin, in your cart, it, or you could bindle them, or you can pick them up one by one as your as your budget affords. Mm-hmm. Also, but, uh, Severin, we're not saying that we're against you paying us mm-mm. for th- these things. We're not. I just say you're you're not yet. Yet, right, right. But we're always willing to sell out when you when you make that possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was this is like a this was like a blast, a lot of fun. It, uh, it is weird to watch these so many of these. I was watching other uh, Italian post-apocalyptic movies, and I was definitely trying to wait. Hold on, this one. What happens in this one? Um, which is why I liked Endgame because so much because it was like that mutant storyline is definitely like that's yeah, it's, easy it, to remember. Like, oh, yes. you're right, that's the one with the mutants. It's definitely sets it apart. Um, but a, really a blast, and and the and the transfers just look terrific. Like the movies really look good. There's something to, um, I think, sometimes seeing a movie with like the good transfer that, like, I, I, when I was watching um, Warriors of the Year 2072, I believe, which would have been put out uh, at all, I think, on VHS or whatever by Troma. So in the director's commentary, there or the commentary, like you see, saying directors, the directors were not in there. Uh, in the commentary, they were talking about. Oh yeah, th- this is looks so much better than the VHS that I think it's going to make people think differently of this movie. It reminded me of when Eric and I watched um, Black Oak Conspiracy on YouTube, 
And it was just a very bad, you know, version of it. And we were both just like, I don't know. And then we watched it on Shout TV, which is a, a, a very nice print of yeah, it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was like, oh, this is like a totally different movie. And so right. there is something to that. And that's why I think physical media is important, obviously, because they are making better prints of these things, cleaning these things up so they can be appreciated better. And you're not just watching some terrible, you know, uh, half-assed VHS rip. And that's what's going to make this movie live on in infamy. Um, yeah, we don't we, we don't want anything half-assed. Think I'm playing some half-assed motherfucking game? <laughs> that's right. Yes. There's one thing this podcast can tell you is we do not play some half-assed motherfucking game. That's okay? right. We whole-ass our games. <laughs> we whole-ass our game. <laughs> um, so we hope you appreciated this uh, this bonus episode where we talked about this. this is the first time we've done something like this, so you have comments, you have something you want to talk to us about, or you want to talk about this stuff, you can find us on Twitter and on the Instagram. You can also write us at info at newworldpodcast.com. Give us your opinions. Tell us what you think about this set as well. And we will see you next time on the New World Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody.